1: Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today we are talking about one of my favorite things, which is lifestyle medicine. It's not a term that everybody's real familiar with, so that's what we're going to talk about today and try and clear up some of that and let you know why it should be a part of your overall health journey. If you have a question or a comment, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 You can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org, and we'll be back after the break. Dr. Josie Goodwell, Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today we are talking about lifestyle medicine, which is an emerging specialty um, in the world of medicine and healthcare, care and something that I'm uh, very passionate about and something that not a whole lot of folks know exactly what it is. So we want to talk about that today. If you uh, know what it is or you have a question, I would love to talk with you today. Uh, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 7464 And my email is fit at mpbonline.org. And there is no guest joining me today, so it is just little old me in the booth, and so I would love it if you would give me a call so that we can chat and talk about lifestyle medicine. If um, you're a regular listener of the show, you've probably heard me kind of throw that term out every now and then as I talk about um, some of the things that I do uh, from a clinical perspective, and lifestyle medicine is one of those things. And usually when I say the word lifestyle medicine, people look at me kind of funny. Um, and I usually get the question, is that like nuts and seeds and twigs and teas and supplements? And uh, no, it's, it's not. Um, now, there may be definitely foods out there that we recommend uh, for uh, helping out with some chronic illnesses and there may even be some supplements or um, things that we recommend but it that's that's not what it is uh, lifestyle medicine is traditional health care but slanted more um, toward our health behaviors and how that is impacting our overall health because that's that's really the crux of it guys is what what we actually do. Um, There's what we know, and then what we do. And most of us know about how we're supposed to live and do things to be as healthy as we can be. Um, But we don't always do those things. And if you caught the show last week, we talked about the psychology behind eating. And that was really trying to to get home at, at why we eat the things that we eat and the way that we do. Um, if you didn't get a chance to hear that show, it is available on um, mpbonline.org as a podcast that you can listen to. But, you know, lifestyle medicine is more than just uh, nutrition. So the actual... Um, purpose of lifestyle medicine or or why that is a thing now and it's not a a brand new thing it's been around for over a decade as a a focalized uh, um, specialty um is the fact that about 80 percent of uh, our chronic disease that we have out there uh, so not our acute stuff not our runny noses and coughing and sneezing and that kind of stuff but our chronic illnesses like heart disease and diabetes um those can be about 80 percent of those can be traced back to lifestyle, what we're eating, how much we're moving, the amount of stress that we're under, our sleep patterns and all of those types of things. So um, while we have to address the entire person and look at the if medications are an appropriate part of our um treatment plan. We've also got to look at, again, those health behaviors that um, we're doing as human beings and how those might impact our chronic illnesses as well. So when you look at the top five leading causes of death in the U.S., let's look at those. So the top five causes are heart disease is number one. And that's both here in the U.S. and worldwide. Um, Number one cause of death, heart disease. Then we've got uh, cancer as number two, Um, lower respiratory, chronic lower respiratory disease like uh, COPD, chronic chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder. That's going to be your emphysema, your chronic bronchitis uh, type stuff, accidents and strokes. So when you look at those top five causes, four of them. Have very clear ties to lifestyle. In particular, I'm talking about the heart disease, the cancer, the COPD, and the stroke. Um, Now, you can make some arguments that injuries can also uh, fall into some lifestyle behaviors, especially if those injuries occur um, under the influence of a substance or something like that. So, there's definitely Um, some link there as well, but not quite as um, an established link between the lifestyle and those uh, disorders. So we know we've got to start addressing those things. And that's one of the reasons that lifestyle medicine has really started to come to the forefront and be recognized as its own specialty. So um, lifestyle medicine is something that I practice through the Department of Preventive Medicine at UMMC. Um, we have a lifestyle medicine clinic. And that's all we do in that clinic is see individuals for lifestyle medicine evaluation, um, risk factor identification and targeted intervention is how I like to um, describe it to folks. Uh, Lifestyle medicine is done differently in different areas. So some areas combine primary care with lifestyle medicine, we partner. So um, all of our patients in lifestyle medicine also have a health care provider uh, that is their primary care provider. And the reason we do it this way is if you've been in an office visit, um, you know that your health care provider doesn't have an extremely long amount of time with you. Um, somewhere around 15, 20 minutes uh, is a usual office visit appointment. And if you have multiple health problems, you know high blood pressure, diabetes, you might have had a stroke or a heart attack or any of those types of things, then the majority of that time is spent uh, evaluating kind of your status with each one of those uh, uh, disorders and making adjustments to any medications that you may need there ordering or reviewing lab tests or other diag- diagnostic tests that are very, very, very important in the treatment of those disorders. But that doesn't leave a whole lot of time to then focus on the lifestyle behaviors that are impacting uh, those types of disorders as well. So it doesn't give you a whole lot of time to talk about diet, to talk about physical activity, to talk about stress and sleep and all the other things that are impacting these um chronic disorders so we let the primary care provider maintain ownership and management of those things from a medication standpoint and the ordering of tests and that kind of stuff and we take the lead on the lifestyle and the behavior so our visits focus on just like I said screening risk factor identification and targeted intervention and so when you look at the field of lifestyle medicine, there's a couple there's actually about six different facets that we look at because most folks think that we just talked to you about nutrition and physical activity gosh, those are super important um, pillars of uh, lifestyle behaviors and healthy behaviors, uh, especially when we're treating chronic illnesses. But there is more to it. There is also stress, which I mentioned, and that includes – I expand it a little bit more than just stress management and take it into the mental health realm and look more at anxiety and depression and how those influence chronic disease. We look at sleep and we're going to talk about sleep a little bit more um, a little later in the show. But if you have questions about sleep, I would love to hear those because I'm fascinated um, by uh, sleep and just what we put our bodies through and how far we think we can go on very little sleep. Um, We also look at relationships and and I mean from a support standpoint, because chronic illnesses can be uh, very hard on relationships and you need a social support network there to help uh, help you, whether you're recovering from a chronic illness or whether you are. Um, just trying to stay healthy. The social support there uh, is going to be so very important. And then kind of the last pillar that we talk about is um, tobacco and substance use Um, because, you know, we're going to screen and look for tobacco use as well as alcohol and any of um, the illicit substances as well. And then we go through each one of those areas and I cannot emphasize um, more the fact that it's done in a non judgmental manner. Uh, I think uh, I know a lot of patients, when they initially come in for a lifestyle medicine evaluation, they are very anxious because they think that we are going to judge them as to what they're eating or how much they're drinking or how much they're smoking. And that's not. That's not my job. That's not anybody else's job. It. Our job is to meet you, meet the person where they are, because judging them, it, it doesn't move behavior forward. We've got to be, we've got to just meet you where you are. And that's what we really try and do in lifestyle medicine is meet you where you are, look for those risk factors, help you see the risk in those things, and then develop a plan to target those things that the most important thing I can say about that is that it's a plan that the individual comes up with in conjunction with the healthcare provider. So not me going, all right, I need for you to eat seven servings of fruit and vegetables and nothing fried and you can never have cookies and cakes again and I need for you to move 150 minutes per week. While those are all evidence-based guidelines, just telling you those things doesn't necessarily move our behavior forward, doesn't help you operationalize those guidelines. And ultimately, if I see you back in six weeks, three months, six months or a year, you're probably not going to have made any of those uh, changes because we didn't do a real good job helping you understand how to do that. So um, we'll talk more about how we goal set and why that's an important part of lifestyle medicine. But, you know, I really um, want to highlight the the role of lifestyle medicine in conjunction with primary care um, and how we can make a really great team in um treating and preventing chronic illness because I've kind of talked mostly today about um, the treatment of chronic illness with lifestyle medicine but we also see um, traditional wellness and we I would love to have more patients come in for I call it wellness plus because it's it's more than what you usually do in a traditional wellness exam but I would love to pick those risk factors up and provide interventions for those and keep us from developing heart disease or type 2 diabetes or cancers or having a stroke or a heart attack. Um, So that's really the role of lifestyle medicine and those different areas that we talked about. Um, The first area that I want to spend a little bit of time talking about today is probably not what you think because you know that I love nutrition and I love fitness and those are two areas that I talk about a lot and for that reason I'm not going to talk about those first today because we talk about those a lot on this show. Have no fear we will get to it because I cannot go that long without talking about um, some nutrition and some fitness but uh, the thing I want to talk about first is stress and Anxiety and depression. And the reason I want to talk about that first is because it really lays the foundation for looking at a lot of the other health behaviors. In particular, what we eat and how much we move it really can be linked back to anxiety and depression. So if you want to give me a call today and join in this conversation and ask me some questions or have any comments, I would love to do that today. My number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one You can always email me at fit at org, And we'll be back in just a few. We'll be back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC and lifestyle medicine clinician there as well. And that's what we're talking about today. We are talking about lifestyle medicine, what it is and how it can be a part of your overall health journey and and really why it it should be, as it can be a fantastic complement to primary care. Our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and my email is fit at mpbonline org. All right, we're going to go to Tupelo and talk with John this morning. Hello, John.
2: Hi. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
2: I'm doing very well, thanks.
1: All right. What can we? What do you want to talk about today?
2: Uh. Well, uh, you're talking about lifestyle medicine. Yep. And I understand that that's a, a a wide range of of things that affect our daily lives. Yep. Um, me personally, uh, I I suffer from uh, a lot of stress and mm-hmm. anxiety and, mm-hmm. and mild depression. Okay, um, and I have for quite a long time, and I was very uh, hesitant to seek treatment for that for various. So you're not alone. Uh, social stigma. Yeah, right. and I understand that I'm not alone, and mm-hmm. that's the reason that I'm calling it. Yep. Um. So uh, after being on Lexapro for about a month, Mm -hmm. um, I just kind of wanted to share my experience with those who might be in the same boat. Uh, When I first started the medication, it kind of hit me like a train. Mm -hmm. I I felt like I was on drugs. It it, it affected my mood. It affected everything. I mean, like it's supposed to. Um, It's a medication that takes a while to have a measured beneficial effect in my life. Mm -hmm. And now that it's six months later, um, it's so much easier to deal with things. Stressors yeah. are a lot lower. Um, it, it, it's really great. And there was just that initial adjustment period that I was told about um, mm. that uh, I, I hope any listeners who are on a similar path might uh, not uh, be afraid of once they get there. Absolutely. And, and continue on their, uh, their path. So. I just wanted to hear
1: that. Well, I appreciate you for sharing that because, one, kudos to you for stepping out of that comfort zone because I know, you know, talking about depression and anxiety and and mental health issues, there is that social stigma around that. Um, Mm -hmm. Luckily, we're kind of, I think we're making some headway in that. Um, The more we talk about it, the, you know, the more uh, normal, whatever that is, uh, it, it becomes. And, you know, that you're talking about sticking with your medicine. Mm-hmm. Because that's something that we see people do, uh, you know, uh, don't do a lot. They start medicine and they think maybe I'm supposed to feel better immediately, um, and that's not the way those medicines work. Lexapro. It,
2: it, was a, it was a scary adjustment period for about two weeks. Yeah, you know, if Lex, it was, and I questioned myself, but I just stuck with it. Yeah, so yeah. glad that I did. Yeah,
1: you know, Lexapro is uh, in the class of medicines called SSRIs, which um, have kind of historically been used for depression, but they have a lot of good anxiety reducing um, properties as well. Um, A lot better than what we used to use for anxiety, which was just those benzodiazepines like Xanax and Valium and those types of medicines that really are only going to stop the symptoms of an anxiety attack, but not really working on the underlying um, chemistry that's going on that's making us, you know, have the anxiety or, or manifest it. Um, mm-hmm. But they do, you know, whereas those older ones that we we did, the Xanax and the Valium and those, those were pretty immediate uh, in shutting down and like a panic attack or an anxiety attack. But these... Um, other medicines like Lexapro, um, other ones in that class would be things like Selexa, Paxil, Zoloft, all of those types of medications. Um, they do take about two weeks um, to start to see some really good therapeutic effect from it. So yeah, I kind of stick with it. And so I'm glad that you did um, and that you're doing better because you are able to handle stressors a little bit better when they're thrown at you when you're not stuck in the midst of trying to dig out anxiety and depression.
2: Yeah, and and, and just in case um, anybody out there has the opportunity to have the medication but doesn't necessarily or isn't offered the counseling Mm -hmm. to go along with it, I strongly recommend reaching out to uh, have a professional to talk to as you're transitioning into this medication. Uh, that that was the most important factor that kept me on board with it and and me seeing the, the most benefit from this medicine.
1: I could not agree with you more. Um, it is a partnership between some medicine, some counseling, and I'm so glad to hear that you're doing great, and I so thank you for sharing your story with us this morning.
2: Great. Have a good day. You great. too,
1: John. All right, let's go uh, to Nashville and talk with Dan. Ooh, Nashville. How is it in Nashville today?
3: Hey, I'm actually driving through Mississippi. Oh. But, uh, it was pretty nice yesterday. Yeah. You know,
1: it's a hot one today. So. What do you want to talk about today, Dan?
3: Yeah, th- first, thank you for this uh, show and what you're doing for everybody. Uh, I'm a first-time listener, and it just uh, oh, been helpful you. to hear somebody that is attacking the issue of health from every area and aspect. But um, my question was mainly, uh, I'm really grateful you're talking about anxiety and stress Mm -hmm. and hypertension, because my entire life, I'm 38 years old and my entire life, I've kind of felt like I've been the guy that had to be everything to everybody. And in my 20s and teens, that was sustainable but now I'm pushing 40 I'm (laughs) starting to feel the strain Uh, from that I think Mm -hmm. emotionally which Mm -hmm. bleeds into the physical eventually and I never really felt the stress or that so I uh, recently found out I've had uh, fairly high blood pressure Uh, it's gone down a little bit with the diet and exercise and just making myself rest and Mm -hmm. chill a little bit but Mm -hmm. I've gotten on Metroprolol, uh, I think they call it, mm-hmm. um, and for blood pressure. And then I'm also taking Lunesta uh, at times in order to get some sleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, I used to be able to really handle uh, stress well, it seemed like, through just prayer meditation slowing down. But uh, nowadays, I'm, I'm just I'm busy. There, there's a lot going on in my life and in my career, trying to build it, trying to do good things. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like, why do all of these good things if my end result is I'm stressed to the max? And so I'm kind of going through um, a battle inwardly to try to make the right decision Mm -hmm. about what I need to do uh, as far as my career goes so that my health also benefits. But anyway, long story short of it, I was just wondering what your advice would be on a procedural, strategic way of saying, "Hey, look, you got to stop. You got to slow down. This is a, a holistic way of lowering your blood and making a lifestyle change mm-hmm. and adjustments. Where maybe one day I could get off this stinking blood pressure medication. <laughs> don't have to take Lunesta to go to sleep right. and just find some normalcy. Right. I don't right. know if that makes any sense. It does, but, absolutely. Um, that's my thing there.
1: All right. Well, let's let's start talking about it. So. You know, definitely from uh, a blood pressure standpoint, we know that it's kind of one of those which came first, the chicken or the egg. Did the anxiety come first and now we have high blood pressure with it or do people with high blood pressure have more anxiety? But we know that that the two kind of go hand in hand in in some folks, especially with the stress um, and the depression. So um, you're not currently on any kind of medication for anxiety, correct? Uh, No,
3: ma'am. Not right now.
1: Um, You know, one thing is, you know, I don't know if you are familiar with the term worry journaling. Um, Worry journaling is a way to kind of get your your stressors or your worries out on paper um, or an app. There's an app that I'll tell you about in a minute and kind of see where the majority of your worries are coming from. Um, to see whether they're all mostly career-related, are they family-related, health-related, that type of thing. It does a couple things. One, it puts things in perspective so you can see where you're spending the majority of your mental energy. Um, the second of that is it actually frees up some mental energy when you put those worries down on the paper or in the app um, because negative thoughts and worry and stress tend to multiply when we leave them in our head. Yeah. You know, when you, when we think about all the things we have to do and what's going to happen if we don't get them done and, and that type of thing, they, they have a lot of power over you in that instance. So um, when I worry journal or when I tell folks to worry journal, I tell write down what you're worried about, how worried you are, like on a scale of zero to 10. You know, how much distress is this causing you? What's yeah. the most likely outcome? And then what's the plan to address it? And then the most important part is, was it as bad as you thought it was going to be? And mm. so 85% of the things we worry about and stress about never happen. Of the wow. 50... Yeah, it's a lot of energy we spend on stuff that doesn't, doesn't happen. Of the 15% yeah. that does happen, only about 3% of it is as bad as we thought it was going to be. Um, so hearing those things is one thing, but seeing them out on a chart or a piece of paper in your app is another, because you really start to see patterns of, I worried about all these things, or I stressed about all these things, and they didn't, they didn't occur, so, um, you know, pen and paper is cheap and easy, there's an app, um, I know it's for, I know it's on the Apple store, I would imagine it's on the Android store as well, it's called Worry Watch, um, and I'm a geek, so I like to see graphs and things, and it will graph it for you. <laughs> yeah, so it'll put it, you know, it'll show me. you know, I spent 75% of my time worrying about work stuff and, you know, 10% worrying about health and, and that kind of stuff, and so it lets you prioritize a little bit better um, with that. Another um, kind of, because you mentioned more of a holistic uh, treatment for um, stress and worry And in turn, high blood pressure um, is mindfulness. So I know you mentioned praying and meditating. Um, Mindfulness can be a very powerful tool um, in that as well. Are you familiar with mindfulness at all?
3: Uh, I've heard of it. I I probably don't know about it in enough detail to make sense of
1: it. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to know a whole lot. But there is one um, exercise that I like to use in mindfulness that can be very helpful for folks who are under a lot of stress or have a lot of kind of uh, perpetual worry that they're going through. And it's called the five senses um, mindfulness exercise. And so it takes about five minutes or less, and it can be done anywhere. So I know sometimes um, meditation uh, can be a little bit hard to do if you're out and about and, you know, because you need some quiet and, you know, some alone time and that kind of thing. But the mindfulness can be done anywhere. And what it asks you to do is to stop focusing on the thoughts in your head by focusing on your senses. So the first one, like hearing. So what are five things that I can hear so, you know, if we're driving, then I hear the radio, I hear the car horns out the window. I hear um you know my breathing, I hear that squeaky noise that started in the car that I'm ignoring because I'm not quite sure what it is, and I'll have time to deal with that. you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. Then uh, moving on to you know sight, what are some things that I can see? Um, touch what are some things that I can touch what are some things that I can smell and then lastly what are some things that I can taste even if you don't have food or a mint or anything like that your mouth always has a taste to it yeah. so you know concentrating on that and, and the net result of that is after you finish going through all five of those senses you're so busy focusing on finding those things that you're not focusing on the worry and the stress so that kind of takes you out of um, out of your head and kind of regrounds you back in into your body and gives you a little bit more control over things.
3: Yeah. Even just talking to you about that right now, I already feel it just kind of uh, bringing me to a little bit more of a place of ease, I think. And it's funny you said that what you worry about, you know, 90 some odd percent of the mm-hmm. time doesn't even happen. Yeah. And as I think through it while you said that, I was like, wow, that was what I was stressing about some whatever it might have been fill in the blank, and it never even happened mm-hmm. and so that I think a lot of times uh, I know with a lot of people I talk to, I also do some counseling on the side in addiction. I mm-hmm. used to be a, a a meth addict and a heroin addict, and I've been sober now for fourteen years by mm-hmm. God's grace and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the people that I talk to that are in that world, their stress does typically stem from just you know living inside their head mm-hmm. and to be able. To get out of that by and it's like you said looking inward. so uh but anyway I'm, I'm not gonna keep going on and on i know you got other callers but i really appreciate uh that advice that's great because I, I i noticed the other day i che- checked my bp it was like mm-hmm. 135 over 93 and so i laid back and i just started meditating mm-hmm. about the beach and the mm-hmm. sound of the ocean uh breathed deep for a few minutes and uh checked it again it was 121 over 82 i think so it like significant drop yeah. just and i'm realizing it's not because my diet's good I'm, I'm eating what i need to eat i'm exercising i think i'm in the best shape i've ever been in my life physically but so i know that it's got to be stemmed from that stress of me thinking i've got to be uh, i've always got to be on them i got to yeah. have the smile i've got to have the good personality i got to be able to talk for everybody when they don't want to talk or whatever the case may be and And I think that piles on my shoulder and my body's going, dude, you can't keep doing this. You can't can't do that. you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. And I just appreciate you. Thank you for your show. It's a great, great thing.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for your call, and you have a great Monday. And be safe driving. All right. We are going to go to Bay St. Louis and talk with Jeff this morning. Hello, Jeff.
4: Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good, I think. Uh, My question to you is... uh, I've uh, been on medication for hypertension which is a lisinopril. And uh that was uh, at 10 and 12.5 and now they've doubled that. So um that was taking care of it for a while and then I talked to a guy about uh, a cardiologist and he said put me on some mm metoprolol.
1: Like mm-hmm.
4: And uh, I was taking that for a while and seems to be doing okay but now all of a sudden doesn't seem anything is working because I just got an eye exam and the mm-hmm. doctor said your high blood pressure is affecting your eyesight mm-hmm. and you better get back.
1: So mm-hmm.
4: um, uh, I'm, I don't know what else to what should I expect to do okay. next other than losing more weight.
1: So, uh, well, you know, you're right in that respect, and that weight loss is going to be um, an important part of our overall health. But there are some other things that, from a lifestyle perspective, stick out um, to me. One is um, sleep. So, I would ask, have you ever had a sleep study before?
4: Yes. Yes, yes. I, I am. Uh, I do have a CPAP machine. Okay. And, um Do you wear it? Was a fire- Oh, every day.
1: Good, good. <laughs> I have some folks who have it, but they don't put it on. Um, okay, so you're wearing it every day. How long's it been since you had that sleep study done?
4: Uh, well, I just had a, a – the first one was in 2000, and the uh, last one that I had was probably a year and a half to two years ago. Okay,
1: okay. And your weight has not significantly changed since then?
4: Well, I – you know, since I've moved down to Bay St. Louis and the food down here is so good, I've <laughs> definitely put some uh, some pounds on. Okay. I, I definitely got to get into uh, a different mindset of not okay. eating too
1: okay. much. Um, when you wake up in the morning, how rested do you feel?
4: Usually pretty rested.
1: Okay. Okay. So you're not having a whole lot of daytime fatigue or anything like that.
4: No. And I'm not a very stressful person. I'm very easygoing. I'm retired and... uh You know, I'm just uh, planning a trip uh, across the country, and uh, so I'm uh, maybe a little stressed from that, but, you know, that's not stressing me out that I'm worried about anything.
1: Okay. Sometimes if folks, you know, that they have the CPAP machine, but they're still having a lot of fatigue, and if their weight has changed significantly, I'll say maybe we need to get it kind of re, like make sure the settings are are where we need to have them so that they're actually correct, and you're actually getting the sleep apnea treated, but it sounds like you are from that perspective. Yeah,
4: and I did... Yeah, did get a new machine that supposedly adjusts
1: auto titration. Okay, good. Yes, good, fantastic. Those are those are all great things. So it sounds like you've got a great doctor, and so I appreciate them taking good care of you. Um, From the other standpoint, you know, talking about your eyes, what they're talking about is retinopathy. So we call that small vessel complications. So when we talk about complications from um, blood pressure and from diabetes, we look at things that do damage to our little vessels, and then things that do damage to our big vessels. So little damage things are things like retinopathy, also kidney damage, um, peripheral um, neuropathy, and those types of problems. And then big vessel things are more like your you know coronary arteries, heart attacks, strokes, peripheral vascular disease, that kind of stuff. And uh-huh. so not knowing how long your blood pressure was elevated, before you were diagnosed and treated that may have been some of it did you had you had a normal eye exam before this one in recent Pretty years much, yes. okay okay so usually it's a long-standing is, uh, all just kind of uh, crept up on you
4: it's recent yeah okay. it's coming up and i'm i'm very worried about i guess i'm worried about the stroke thing i don't mm-hmm. want that to absolutely happen.
1: absolutely so you know the last centipril that you mentioned is an absolutely fantastic medication for blood pressure um I think you said it had HCTZ in it as well, which is a diuretic. Um, and you were on 10 and 12.5. Is that what you said? Yeah,
4: 10, yeah. 10, 10 and 12.5. Point five, and yeah. now they've
1: added the metoprolol. That. Oh, okay. They doubled yeah. that. So you're at 20 and 25? Yes. Okay. So, um, you know, it may be um, changing to a like splitting them apart and changing to a different diuretic because there's a diuretic out there that I like a little bit better than the HCTZ component of that. Um, I don't Uh love um, uh, metoprolol for blood pressure by itself. It's great if we are also running a high heart rate. Um, It works really well for that. But another medicine that I really like is something called Norvasc, which is um, a calcium channel blocker, which works pretty well for blood pressure. Um, But if our blood pressure is staying up and we're starting to see some of those complications from that, then we're going to need, at least in the short term, probably to intensify that blood pressure medication and then work on the lifestyle factors that we can bring down. In particular, sodium is going to be one of the things that we've really got to work on um, to bringing down blood pressure. I've
4: been taking my blood pressure every day for probably the last six months uh-huh. and it's really gone significantly from around the 125 to 135 mark which was pretty normal then it's creeping up to 140 150 and then the last week it's been like 165 mm-hmm. or 91.
1: Yeah uh, when's the last time you saw your health care provider that does uh, your blood pressure it, stuff? It's
4: been a it's been a while but I've got an appointment next Monday. Okay so.
1: excellent um, because you know In my head, I go, oh, I need to know what his kidneys are like now, you know, because we don't want to make we want to make sure that, you know, when I see a blood pressure that's creeped up like that every time, we want to make sure their kidneys are working really well because they're ones of one part of our body that helps to regulate our blood pressure. So I think the first thing on our list is let's go to this appointment on Monday and get checked out and see what's going on from there. Um, If everything checks out, okay and we are just needing to work on ways to bring our blood pressure down, I would encourage you to check out the DASH diet. Which is dietary approaches to stopping hypertension um, that is clinically proven to lower blood pressure when followed. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for your call, Jeff.
4: Thank you so much for all your information
1: absolutely you are welcome all right I know I've got one more caller on the line but I do need to take a quick break um, our number is 1877 MPB ring that's 18776727464 and we will be right back and I promise my caller I am coming
0: this is an MPB think radio podcast.
1: Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC, and we are talking about my favorite thing today, lifestyle medicine, and how that impacts chronic disease and overall wellness. Uh, now's the time to give us a call so that we get to your call before the end of the show. Our number is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 you can always send me an email at fit at All right. Before we went to the break, we've been talking a lot about anxiety and depression and stress. And I mentioned an, um, an app that I like that's called the Worry Watch app that is, I know it's available in the Apple store. I wasn't sure if it was available on Android. And then I have an amazing producer, Jay White, who slipped me some Android apps underneath the door. I love it when he slides things under the door to me because it makes me feel like I'm a spy and that I'm getting a super secret message underneath the door. And so my spy message today was these three, um, apps. One is called Self Help Anxiety Management. One is called Reach Out Worry Time and the other is called Pacifica Stress and Anxiety that are all available on um, for Android. So those are some good options for you out there. Now we're going to get to uh, my caller who has been so patient and waiting for me uh, Jesse from Jackson. Good morning Jesse.
5: Good morning. How are you doing? I'm
1: great. How are you? Uh,
5: Can't complain too much. Um, I got a uh, two-part question today Uh, i've been dealing with uh depression for uh well over 20 years now Mm -hmm. and i've been prescribed uh, some depression medication and it's helped me out a lot over the years and through a combination of therapy and medication i was able to eventually get off the medication and live a pretty normal lifestyle Mm -hmm. But the downside, since I've weaned myself off the medication, is my hormone drive has plummeted, and it's kind of put a strain on mine and my wife's uh, love life.
0: I see. And I've
5: been wondering what kind of options are there out there that, Uh, either FDA approved or considered safe because I know there's lots of products out there but I don't know what to trust and what not
1: to. Right so first and foremost would be going to see um, either uh, probably um, for a male we would go probably straight to endocrinology um, and have an actual workup done or you could probably start with your primary care provider as well at least for a testosterone level Uh, and see what your testosterone level is because if you've got low testosterone there are some just like you mentioned FDA approved prescription medications that we can do to supplement testosterone Um, as far as the drive which will improve the drive if we do have low testosterone levels now if we uh, don't there are some other things we start to think about in is our depression really controlled at this point um, or our anxiety or our stress because if we're having more problems with that that's going to trickle uh, into libido and sex drive so untreated depression um, it can be a, can cause that. Um, The other of that is, are there any, so you mentioned the sex drive. What about the actual, like, performance, like getting and maintaining an erection? Any problems with erectile dysfunction type stuff?
5: Uh, No, nothing like that at all.
1: so just more of the drive situation. Correct, correct. Um, Yeah, so that's where I would start, is first let's see if we've got a hormone imbalance that's going on that we can treat. Because they can, they do that all the time. Um, so if you've got a primary care provider, bring it up with them. Don't be scared. Um, that's what they're. That's what we're there for is to start those workups. If they're not comfortable with it or they uh, need assistance with that, then endocrinology would be the place to go next. That's the hormone doctor.
5: All right. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate
1: your time. You're welcome. Thank you for hanging on for me for quite a while. I appreciate it. No problem. All right. Have a good Monday. You too. All right. So um, if you're just joining us, we've been talking about lifestyle medicine today and all the different things that that entails. We've spent a fair amount of time talking about stress and anxiety and depression. And I'm very grateful for that because that means that it's becoming more normal to talk about, which is so very important when we start to think about um, anxiety and depression and getting the appropriate treatment for that, whether that be counseling and therapy whether that be medication or in all likelihood initially a combination of the two of those to produce the best outcome um, for folks and the reason that I wanted to spend a fair amount of time on that is because it really impacts all the other facets of lifestyle medicine that I do so most folks when they come to see me and I uh, they sit down the first question out of my mouth is after hello how are you nice to meet you it's what what are you hoping to get from this um, visit today so not what I want to talk about but what do you want to talk about and probably 90% of the time it's I want to talk about losing weight okay we can absolutely do that The first set of questions that I'm going to ask you are related to anxiety and depression, and I usually get a look on on their face like, did she hear me wrong? I did not ask about mental health. I, I told her I wanted to lose weight and I wanted to work on my diet. Well." I heard you. And in order to do that, we've got to look at all the things that are impacting your weight and what you're eating or how how much you're moving, those types of things. So we start with that anxiety and depression uh, screening because think about uh, how you pick the foods that you eat. And a lot of us pick them depending on our mood or how much energy we have. You know, whether we reach for something, whether we cook our meal or whether we reach for um, a packaged item or whether we go through the drive through that's all wrapped up in kind of our mood that we have currently and how much energy we have. And for anyone who has depression and anxiety, you know that that wears you out. It really does. And so the behavior change around eating better and moving more is it's hard to get folks to do that. And it's hard to get them to do that when they are not also dealing with a mental health issue. And so untreated anxiety and depression is just a big old stumbling block in our way of making a healthy uh, food change. And so I would prefer to address the anxiety and the depression first and get that on the right track, so to speak, so that we set ourselves up for success Um, in making a healthy um, food change or a healthy physical activity change, any of those types of things. Because self-efficacy is a word that we don't really talk about enough, but it is one's belief that they are able to make a change. And it really is important when we're talking about lifestyle medicine and any of the goals that we set or any of the, the behaviors that we are trying to augment or change. Um, if you've ever been on a diet or you've ever said, I'm going to lose weight, um, you may have picked an unrealistic diet or an unrealistic weight goal. Uh, like I'm going to lose a hundred pounds and I need to look like that by my favorite word, swimsuit season. Okay. Um, That's unrealistic, and you're not likely to meet that goal, um, especially if we start in December trying to get swimsuit ready um, with uh, an unrealistic goal. And when we don't reach that goal, it really depresses us and puts us back it sets us back from wanting to make a healthy behavior change because we tried and we failed Um, so making reasonable goals is one way to build self-efficacy or the, the confidence that you'll be able to do this and so that's one of the big things that we do in Uh, lifestyle medicine. So you may come in to see me and we start working on diet and I give you a very specific set of screening questions that I ask that look at eight different domains of your nutrition. And then we may only focus on two of those in this initial visit. And that's okay. Because if I can get you to make changes in those two domains of nutrition, at the end of the day, we're healthier. You've done something positive toward moving in a healthier direction and now you're more motivated to come back and let's tackle another couple domains of that nutrition. It can be the same as far as exercise. So we all know the 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity exercise but if we haven't been exercising saying I'm going to do that you know, starting tomorrow is not realistic. And we're probably not going to meet those goals. And then we're going to say, well, I I don't have the energy to exercise. But gosh, if we can do um, a five minute walk in the morning before it gets, you know, mind numbingly hot outside, and we can do that, you know, three days a week, that's more activity than we had overall. And I think you'll notice as you do that that you wind up with a little bit more energy and a little bit more feeling better about yourself and your ability to take that first step uh, toward a healthy lifestyle. And so that's what it's about. We call them SMART goals, um, just meaning they're, they're very measurable and they're very achievable. And so that can be as easy as uh, increasing your amount of water, which is something we didn't get a chance to talk about today, but I'm going to take the last few minutes and talk about because it is so very, very important to be hydrated, not just now since it is Uh, as I said, just scorchingly hot outside. Um, That means we need actually a little bit more water than before. But a couple of little lifestyle tips um, in relationship to water. We do know that people who drink um, at least seven glasses of water a day actually lose about 44% more weight than folks who don't. Um, And that's in for the middle to older adult range. The results are not quite as robust in the young adult and adolescent phase, but it doesn't mean water is not as equally as important because the behaviors and the patterns and the habits that we establish in young adulthood trickle on into middle and older adulthood times. And then also drinking two glasses of water before a meal. Those folks consume about 200 less calories throughout the day. Um, for a variety of reasons, whether that be it just stretches your stomach out a little bit, um, but it also boosts your metabolism um, a good bit as well, at least in the short term for about 30 or 60 minutes. After consuming that water, your metabolism is up a little bit. So you're going to burn a little bit more calories um, as you go throughout your day. So those are kind of my parting tips for the day related to nutrition that we need to be drinking more water. Um, as always, if you have a heart issue, a kidney issue, any of those types of things you always want to speak with your health care provider before you increase your uh, water content uh, a a lot Um, but you know i keep a little red solo cup that holds 16 ounces right beside my um, coffee pot in the morning and i have to drink one of those which would be two glasses of water before i allow myself my coffee because if i don't then i'm just gonna get on the coffee train and be there all day long So I have had an absolutely um, amazing time talking with you guys about lifestyle medicine. I hope that you have um, learned some things today. I hope that it's sparked your... Maybe your curiosity related to lifestyle medicine If you want to know more about lifestyle medicine You can go to lifestylemedicine.org Or you can email me at fit at mpbonline.org Our show today was produced by the awesome Jay White And you can tune in every weekday at 11 For the full Southern Remedy lineup Where there's a different host and a different focus each day And I will be back next Monday for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit
4: you mm-hmm.